It's very good to be here today. We have a nice audience. We have several that are traveling, and we have several that are visiting. So we're thankful for your presence here this morning. Isn't God good? We've got a new child in our midst. The child and the mother are good, and we're so thankful for that. We've received these nice showers, and our lives have been spared down to this present moment in time. God does a lot of good things for us, and we need to be thankful, and we need to thank Him for life and breath and all things. I want to talk for a few minutes this morning on the subject of excuses. There's a lot of excuses made in the world. Sometimes we're guilty of making excuses. The word excuse has several different definitions. The one I want to look at this morning is to consider an offense or a fault as not important. That's one of the definitions. And we want to look at some Bible examples this morning of people who thought that their faults were really unimportant. And so they offered a sham reason why it was okay for them to act in the way that they did. I want to go back to the very beginning to start our lesson this morning in Genesis, the first chapter. Here in Genesis chapter 1, as we go down through here, I'm just going to pick some verses quickly. Verse 10, And God saw that it was good. And then He created another day in verse 12, And it was good. And then in verse 21, He created another day and the things therein, And He said, And it was good. And finally, when He comes to the end of His creation... Later in the chapter, verse 31, And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. So many things that God had created and placed here upon this earth for the benefit of man. Why did God create this earth? He created it to be inhabited. He created it for man. Everything here is for our good. For our benefit. Life, breath, trees, flowers, water. Everything was created for man. Well, that seems like a pretty good deal to me. And something to be thankful for. When God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, well, even before He put Eve there, in Genesis chapter 2, God told Adam, verse 15, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of the, every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt, thou shalt surely die. You know, God is not a taskmaster. God is not a cruel, evil being. God is our Father. A Father who loves us more than any earthly father could. 
And so when he said to Adam, Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat of it, because in the day you eat thereof you shall surely die. He wasn't massaging his ego. He wasn't flexing his muscle. He said, Adam, now this tree, don't eat of it, because if you do, you're going to die. That was an act of love, folks. That was a, that was a commandment to help Adam out. And then he creates Eve and brings her into the garden. And so God had two commandments for Adam and Eve. That's all they had was two. The law had 613. I don't know how many are in the New Testament. But Adam and Eve just had two. To dress and keep the garden and not to eat of the forbidden fruit. Seems like that ought to be pretty simple. There's nothing in that that, that we read that Seems like it's complicated. You need a Ph.D. to understand that, is there? And yet, when Satan came into the garden, he comes to Eve and he says, Can you eat of all the trees? You know, he wasn't asking for information. He already knew. What was he doing? He was playing and toying with her. He was tempting her. You see, he is an evil, diabolical character. Jesus said, Satan came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And be sure, every day that you live on this earth, that's Satan's goal for you. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So there's a great difference in these characters. And you know something we need to learn early in life is who is out to help us and who's out to get us. And I find a lot of people that can't distinguish between the two. And they get sucked into certain family members, certain friends, certain important people in the community that they want to be friends with when all the time these people are out to get something from them. We need to be able to evaluate our situations. We need to know whether a person wants good for us or whether that person wants ill for us. <clears throat> but Satan tempted her, and when she answered his question, she says, Oh, no, we can't eat of the tree in the midst of the garden because God said we'd die. And Satan said, Oh, no, you won't die. What was that, folks? That was a bold-faced lie. And she believed it. She believed it. Will people lie to you? There's lots of people will lie to you. That's why we need to be on our guard. There's lots of people want to cheat you. And so we need to know who's our friend and who's our enemy. She was seduced and she ate that fruit. And as the saying in our society is, Pandora's box was open and all this evil came out into the world. 
that was not going to be good for man, was not going to help man, was not going to promote man's welfare, and was not going to promote man's good and benefit. And Satan knew that. So did God. That's why he said, Adam, don't eat of the tree. We tell our children things like that, don't we? Don't drink the Drano that's under the sink. Don't touch the hot pan. Because we love them. We want to tell them what's good for them and what's not. But when they ate of that <clears throat> fruit, they were driven from the garden. And I want to read a few verses here in chapter 3. And the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, if God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the, tree, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened, you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made, <coughs> made themselves aprons. So then God comes to speak to them. Verse 8 says, They heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord and among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called up unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? He said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. Yeah, they did gain knowledge. You know these little tykes when they're wearing diapers? Sometimes they don't wear them. And they don't think anything about it. Because they haven't been given that knowledge yet. They gain that with time. And so... Uh, Adam says, I, I hid myself because I was naked. And God says, Who told you were naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave to me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. You know, Adam evidently just didn't think that this was too important. I don't know about you, I really like fruit. He saw the fruit on the tree. His wife was eating it. He had some. She had some. Now, God says, what's happening? Oh, it's your fault, God. You gave me that woman and she gave me that. Is that an excuse? Is that really a good excuse? Did it work? 
God said, oh, well, <laughs> yeah, that's my fault. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me. Evidently she didn't think it's a big deal to eat the fruit. But she didn't take responsibility. She said, Well, that serpent here, he's the one that deceived me. What is that? It's an excuse. We just didn't think this was that big a deal. Folks, it was a big deal. You know why we go to funerals today? Do you know why you and I personally are going to die? Because of what happened right here. And they're beginning to give these pitiful excuses why they should be excused from their responsibility. I'm just going to tell you, folks, that didn't work with God. You know, as I think about excuses, you know who doesn't like excuses? Your friends, your neighbors, your business associates, your teachers, your marriage partner. In fact, everybody don't like you making excuses to them. They just really don't like that. It's not appropriate behavior. And who especially doesn't like that is God, the judge of every human being. And so, I want to pass on and look at some other examples this morning of people who made these excuses. If we go to the next book of the Bible, Exodus chapter 4, we read about this character named Moses. In Exodus 4 and verse number 1, it says, Moses answered and said, Behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. If we back up into chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, God said to Moses, Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go into Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And so Moses begins to make excuses. Lord, I'm 80 years old. You need to get somebody else. I'm slow of speech. I don't get around like I used to. I'm not good at talking to people. God said, just trust me. I'll give you what you need. I'll give you what you need. And he said, that staff, throw it on the ground. He threw it on the ground. He said, pick it up. And he picked it. Well, he threw it on the ground. It became a snake. 
And then God said, pick it up. He picked it up. Became a staff. Put your hand in your vest, Moses. Pull it out. Had leprosy. Put it in again. He put it in. He pulled it out. He didn't have leprosy. I'll be with you. I'll help you. Just do what I'm telling you to do and go speak to Pharaoh. Do you think if some snotty-nosed 20-year-old kid had went down there and said, Hey, Pharaoh, let the people go. You think that made a big impression on Pharaoh? No. He'd have beheaded him before he could have got out the door. Moses was an old man. Pitiful old man in some ways. And yet the man that was destined to become one of the greatest prophets in Israel when he put his trust and his confidence in God. And God did help him. And God was with him when he went before Pharaoh. And we know the rest of the story. Eventually the people were let go. You know, God tells us to love our neighbor as ourself. God tells us to share the good news with other people. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, well, I'm just too old to do that. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. You know, we had a, a lady in this congregation until just a few years ago, and she passed away in her 80s. She lived over behind the junior high over there off of 24th Street in those apartments for senior citizens. She had talked to every tenant in those apartments when she lived there. She would bake some cookies or something and go over there and visit with them. She talked to everybody. You know why? Because that was a priority and it was important to her. And she wasn't a preacher, but she loved her neighbor. And she wanted her neighbors to know that it was important to worship God. And she wanted her neighbors to know that it was a big deal not to obey God. And sometimes she was pretty plain in her comments as she explained it to me. But she never told me if anybody threw her out. I think they saw her sincerity and her concern. And they appreciated it. You know, we never get too old to tell people about the good news that we can go to heaven, that Jesus has provided a way. We don't have to quote a bunch of scriptures. We can just tell people. The Bible says, Be ready to give an answer of the reason of the hope that lieth within you with meekness and fear. People don't <coughs> take kindly to haughtiness. Better than thou attitude. Condescending. But they do take kindly to people who say, you know, I've been praying for you. I'd like to share some things with you. Anybody can do that. There's not anybody here that can't do that. As we read about this man, Moses... Later in this book, in chapter 32, 
In chapter 20, God spoke the Ten Commandments directly to the people, didn't He? He spoke them directly, and the ground shook. And God said, that's why I'm speaking these Ten Commandments, Moses, so they'll know that I'm with you and they will listen to you. And that's what He did. Okay, then we get on down here to Exodus chapter 32, 12 chapters later. And Moses has been up on the mountain talking to God. God has written the Ten Commandments in tablets of stone with His finger. A permanent record of these Ten Commandments to take down, to be with the children of Israel, to be placed in the Ark of the Covenant. And before Moses gets to the bottom of the mountain, hears all this singing and playing and carrying on. And as he approaches the camp, he sees what all's going on, and he threw the Ten Commandments down and broke them. He was upset, but he wasn't near as upset as God was. And so he came down there, and he saw them worshiping this golden calf. Well, where'd they get this golden calf? You know, the Egyptians, just where they had left all of that slavery for 400 years, they worshipped golden calves. Where'd this one come from? And so when Moses comes down, he demands of Aaron, where'd this calf come from? Oh, he said, it was the people. <laughs> they gave me their gold and they, they wanted this image, and he said, I threw it in the fire, and this calf came out. <laughs> what mama couldn't see through that? <laughs> Feeble, flimsy excuse. And God told Moses, to tell the people who is on the Lord's side. And the sons of Levi gathered themselves unto Moses. They stepped right up. And God told them to go throughout the camp. And He told them to slay those that were worshiping the calf. And there fell of the people that day 3,000 men. You know what? Moses didn't believe that story that this calf just came out of the fire. And neither did God. God's trying to take a people that don't know how to take care of themselves. He provided clothing for them. Their clothing did not wear out. Their shoes did not wear out. For 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, He rained manna down every morning so they'd have something to eat. He sent quails into their camp so they would have meat. And a, You know, the very first of the Ten Commandments, Thou shalt have no other gods before thee. Don't make unto thee any, go any image like unto anything on this earth. And bow down and worship it. That's the first one. Adam and Eve had two. They couldn't even get the first one of the ten. 
And so what happened? Aaron just made up a story, didn't he? That's the truth of it. And that's what an excuse is. It's a made-up story to justify not doing what we know is right to do. Whether it's with our boss, with our teacher, or with God. In 2 Kings chapter 5, we read about Naaman. He came seeking cleansing of his leprosy. He had a terrible problem. He had this disease and he couldn't get rid of this disease and it was eventually going to take his life. And the prophet said, Go down and dip in the river Jordan seven times and thy flesh shall come like unto the flesh of a little child and thou shalt be clean. Oh, <laughs> he turned and he went away in a rage. He said, what idiot would believe that? One of his servants came near and he says, you know, we've come all this way. Why not just go do what the prophet said? Let's see if it'll work. Naaman went down, he dipped in the river Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came like unto the flesh of a little child. Naaman is convinced. But what if he had stuck with his excuses and his justification for not doing that? He would have died of leprosy. Do you see how God was trying to help this man? Warning him, telling him of good news. But so many times we don't listen, do we? When Naaman chose to obey God instead of make excuses, his leprosy went away. And you know that's the way it works with sin. People say, oh, I want to be saved like Jesus. I want to be saved by Jesus. I want to do what Jesus said. Do you? Do you really? Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized, dipped, shall be saved. And he that believeth not, shall be damned. That's what Jesus said. Is there anything hard to understand about that? You know, Neil and I was talking yesterday. He had a conversation with four or five people at home this last week <clears throat> on the Scriptures. And this one guy looked at Neil and he said, Neil, you're just wrong about that. You don't have to be baptized to be saved. I wished I had a nickel for every time I've heard that statement. What did Jesus say? Well, my preach we're not talking about what preacher said, and I'm a preacher. We're talking about what Jesus said. What Jesus say? Who's Jesus anyway? He's the Son of the living God. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's the man that said, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. 
Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's the Jesus I'm talking about. That Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And it doesn't matter how many people say, Oh no, that's wrong. It doesn't change what Jesus said. Why did this fellow say that to Neil? Well, I didn't talk to him. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure I know. Somebody told him that and he believed him. Because when Neil asked him, where, where does it say that in the Bible? He said, you know, I really don't know. And he didn't. He was being honest. But many people will use that statement as an excuse of not obeying Jesus. I'd like to turn <clears throat> and look at one more example. And this one's found in uh, the New Testament in Luke, the 14th chapter. Luke chapter 14, again, Jesus is the one that's doing the speaking here. Luke 14, verse 15. Then one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things. He said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper, and he bade many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say unto them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. And the first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to pray them. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and showed the Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said unto his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city. Bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. We've been invited here today to remember Jesus. God, God set up this feast. Man didn't set it up. The leaders of this church didn't set it up. God set it up. He said, this do, Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me. God wanted us to remember His Son every week. He wanted us to remember and be reminded, lest we forget, like a lot of these people, that this is important. And in the parable, he says that all these people were invited, but they began to make excuse. I bought a piece of ground. I've got business to do today. I've got to take care of this business right now. I bought five yoke of oxen. I've got to go prove them. I've got work to do. 
Oh, I married a wife, and she don't want to come, so I can't come. Did God say, so be it? Wasn't a big deal anyway. My son leaving heaven and coming down here to earth, being spit on, investigated, lied about, nailed on the cross, wasn't really that big a deal. I know you're busy. I know you got lots to do. You know what I read are the words of Jesus. None of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the ones that made excuses and didn't show up. Is there really anything real hard to understand about that? Or is it pretty simple? You know, to me, all of these illustrations we've used today are simple. And it's a matter whether we're going to prioritize or not. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these other things will be given unto you. If you'll put me first, I put you first. I want you to put me first. I gave it all, including my life. I'm not asking you to give your life. I'm asking you to put me first. To make me a priority. To make me number one in your life. You know, those excuses made up stories and not the real reason I want to ask you today do you have the faith that the devil has do you have as much faith as the devil has the Bible says of the devil that he believes and trembles He believes, but he don't do anything about it. And he trembles. Is that all the faith we've got? Oh, it's a nice idea. Sounds good. Or do we have a faith, as James said, that is a living faith? Faith without works is dead, being alone. We can talk about how great our faith is all day long, our faith is measured by our obedience, our acts of obedience to God. That's the measure of our faith. That tells people what's really in your heart. He said, show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. And when I see people come here and gather around this table and eat this fruit of the, and eat this bread and drink this fruit of their vine, and I see that, I see their faith. When I see a person go under the water when they're baptized into Jesus Christ, I see their faith. 
It's not something they talk about. It's something we can see. That's an active, obedient faith. That's the kind of faith that pleases God. That's the kind of faith that all of these people lacked that made excuses. They're like the devil. They believe, but the belief didn't change anything. They may, you know, like when Paul preached to Felix, he reasoned of righteousness and judgment to come. Felix trembled. Well, he was never baptized that we know of. He didn't follow through. He heard the story. He was anxious to see Paul. He wanted to hear this apostle. But you know, when he heard the message, he trembled. Why did he tremble, folks? He trembled because he wasn't ready for the judgment. That's why he trembled. There's coming a day in which all that are in the grave shall hear His voice and come forth. They that have done good to the resurrection of life. They that have done good and the resurrection of damnation. Paul preached to Felix about that. And he trembled. But he did nothing. Made excuses. And so I want to sum up the things we've said this morning. Number one, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust Him. He wants good for you. Nothing but good. God is always right. He's never wrong. He always gives us the best way to do anything. He never gives us an inferior way to do things. God wants you to go to heaven. What do you want? What do you want? God wants you to be in heaven. That's why He pleads with you. That's why He gave you these words to help you. We just need to do them. There's a blessing in obeying every single command of God. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 11, Paul said, Now all of these things happen unto them. And he had just given a long list of Old Testament illustrations, just like I've done. And Paul says, These things happen unto them as an example unto us. We're supposed to learn from examples. And we're supposed to imitate good examples and shun bad examples. Do any of these examples today betray my life or your life? Are we like them? Or are we different? Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse, Moses said. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if you obey not the commandments of the Lord, which I tell you this day. And that works all up and down the line. When people tell the truth, I don't care if they're a Christian or not. They'll be blessed with friends. They'll be blessed with business. There's a blessing every time we obey a command of God. There's a curse when we don't.
Lie to people. See how much trust and confidence they have in you. See how many friends you have. See how many customers you have in your business. God says, I want to bless you. I'm telling you these things for your good. The Bible says to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. God says, obey my voice and I will be your God. And you will be my son and my daughter. And obey these commandments that it may be well with you. That's why he gives them. That it may be well with us, good with us. We may be blessed. Are there things that you know in God's Word that you're really not giving consideration to today? It's just not that big a deal. It's just not that important. Maybe you say, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. Then I want to tell you this morning, now's the time to change. We have no promise of tomorrow. It won't be any easier tomorrow. I can promise you it'll be harder to change. The further we get away from God, the harder it is to get back to God. If we're making excuses... Instead of putting God first in our life, we need to change that this morning. And I want to encourage you to come and let us pray with you and for you and help you to get on that road and determine that I'm going to put God first in my life and I'm not going to make any more excuses for that. I'm going to do it this morning as we stand and sing.